I'm going to be talking about developing a, a student-centred approach. And I think that is absolutely key to the success for our young people, not just at Pompville, but in any school. In terms of personalisation, in terms of teaching and learning, there are three key areas that we need to be looking at. The first being the distinct learning needs of the child or young person. The second being their interests, the thing that motivates them, what gets them going, what is that hook in. And the third being their aspirations, and that's key really, their aspirations for the future. So, I previously worked in um, mainstream settings, in maintained specialist settings, and now um, obviously um, in the independent sector. So, I have a, a diverse um, experience of working with children and young people of all different ages and with a range of different needs. Um, throughout, one of the key things is making the, the learning for the, the child the primary focus, regardless of anything. Um, here at Pompville, we're fortunate to group in small class sizes. So our class sizes are no more than eight. And we group in a, a, a variety of different ways that includes not only the young person's academic ability, but it also looks at their social communication because they can be very different, can't they? So that means that we group across the age ranges um, and so we do a vertical um, structuring from there. So in our primary setting, we've got key stage um, one students and key stage two, but we can also have students that go across those age bands depending on both their academic um, potential but also their social communication needs. Um, that's the same for key stage three and four. So we've groupings of um, young people in groups of years seven, eight and nine um, and then key stage four, 10 and 11, then our key stage five setting again um, that will go across. One of the key things that we find works for us are opportunities for um, individual one-to-one -to -one work, that quality time, um, and also individual learning activities to um, give the young people the support that they need, but also maybe specifically tailored around their um, interests. Sometimes what can happen in um, school settings is there is a model uh, and that's the timetable and then what we do is we fit the children into the timetable and then that doesn't work, does it? You know, because if you don't fit, what happens is all your anxieties come up and you're not fitting in, in that little box there and you've got to fit because that's what's happening on a Monday lesson too and you must fit and you must do that and it doesn't work. 
So we're fortunate to be able to look at that creatively and think around if it's not working then we need to look at it in a different way and I think the personalization of timetabling is um, key. I'm not I just want to talk about some case studies um, here um, at, at Pompville and these are our students R and R. So see, these are um, some of our um, students here in uh, primary. Um, and a bit like Tony was saying, when you think about, you know, something that happened in your life that was positive gives you that smile. When I look at our young people here, they give me a smile because you can't help but look and see the kind of delight in their faces. So in terms of our timetabling for primary, we link that in to choosing time and golden time and reward time so that it really motivates our young people and it engages them and it makes it fun. So, Because I don't know about you, unless I'm going somewhere and there's a, an element of fun in there, you know, I'm not particularly interested. And we want our learning to be in, in a fun, enjoyable um, environment. We have young people that, you know, they're, when their anxieties reduce and they've got that readiness for learning, that they absolutely want to go on and take their GCSEs. We've now got students doing A-levels here um, this year and then go off and go to university, uh, university, sorry. And we aim for whatever that young person wants and we have that flexibility around it. Um, but we link that in through that personalised timetabling so that we can look for their aspirations. So one of you, the young people on the slides is looking forward and wants to go into chefing. So what we've been able to do is give him some experiences at our 16 to 19 centre in his timetable, giving him that flexibility, something for him to look forward to and something for him to aspire to. Um, some of the subjects he finds really difficult, really difficult. And rather than pushing, keep pushing and pushing, and he's retreating and retreating, we've looked at how we can link that in a different way. So we've set up work experience opportunities where he's gone on to be a science technician supporting in the classroom. He's, it's not him, the one on fire. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's a real interest for him. We've taken away that pressure and that demand of that subject that he just he just can't do he just cannot do it it creates him more anxiety than and does him more harm than good so we've taken that away and then we've given him um, a different opportunity within um, our curriculum and timetabling um, another student um, we've got we're fortunate to have a um, full cook catering facility which we put in at our 16 to um, 19 centre and um, this young man here is going on and he's doing his qualifications um, in catering and um, we gave him lots of different tasters and opportunities and he was you know key I know what I want to do I don't like this I do like this 
And then when we gave him a carousel of activities, he was like, it's not what I thought it was. Actually, I want to do something different. And that flexibility in approach is really positive when we work with our young people here at Pomp. Um, young people are fairly new um, admissions to us. But um, sometimes when our children and young people join us at school, they've had a turbulent educational history. They've had a series of placements that has failed them. And they come to us with a bag full of stuff, a bag full of stuff which they find difficult to let go of. But by working slowly, and at their pace, by looking at the timetabling, by thinking about how we can change it up, by involving the young person in what they feel good about, what they would like to do, what they're finding difficult, helps to reduce those anxieties and makes those learning opportunities more successful. Some of our um, young people find the traditional classroom difficult, you know. They find four walls and a desk and a pen, a pen difficult, you know, just bob your hands up if your young person finds writing difficult, you know. I think most of my young people that come through um, when we're doing um, admissions visits, they find that really difficult. Um, so we try to find learning opportunities in a variety of environments. And if you're a professional here today and you're, for, you're not as fortunate as we are to have, you know, pigs and geese and, uh, uh, and so forth and a farm and a forest school, there are lots of places out there to find learning outside of the classroom. So for this young man, he has really short bits of learning, really tiny bits of learning in the classroom, 10 minutes, out he goes, and then back in. And that works for him, and it's that flexibility around it which is um, key. Some of our um, parents and families um, find that what can happen is that their young person keeps it all in, all in at school, and then they share it when they get home. And we don't want that. Um, and I don't mean in a positive way. I think that, you know, they share the fact that they've kept everything in. So for some of our young people, we look at reducing the demand. And by that, we change that around in the afternoon. So we've got one young girl that was going home and she was, you know, absolutely. We'd look at her in the classroom and her learning, fabulous. But then when she was going home, she was telling her parents by her behaviours that actually I'm finding it too difficult. I can't verbalise that, but I'm going to show you how difficult I'm finding it. So the way we flip that round to support her is by reducing that demand in the afternoon. And so she goes out and goes on to the farm and does her learning in a different way. And it's about that flexibility, isn't it? It's about not trying to fit that child to our timetable, but actually let's find the timetable that's right for the young person. 
And some of our young people are really, and I'm just looking at the staff smiling at the back, because this is a lovely photo of this young man who's transitioning out of Pontville this year. And the journey that he has come on with us is phenomenal. Um, and developing those independent skills for learning that will take him on to his next placement um, are key. And scaffolding is a really important process for our teachers and our teaching assistants to be thinking about to get that learning right for um, the child. So moving a student forward progressively um, is really key. And our aim is all, well, always to try and get our students to become as independent learners as they can. But that's about us actively supporting when we need to and at the pace it needs to be for the individual child. Um, differentiation, as you know, is looking at what the difference is, what the needs are for the child, and also what we do to plan and accommodate that to support learning and give every young person the best possible chance for their learning potential. As we know, autism is a spectrum um, condition and it affects people in a variety of different ways. Um, Interventions are key, and it's something that we use here at Pontville very successfully. But those interventions must be again tailored to that individual's need um, and also help to scaffold their learning and be differentiated for them. And one of the things that um, has been a great success across schools, really, is just thinking outside of the box. So, some of our young people will be superbly techy and will be, um, you know, far superior to us. Um, and so, when completing work, then we need to be thinking about, does it have to be in our preferred way or actually should it be in their preferred way? Because then what's going to happen is they're going to achieve more highly. So, you know, it may be that a young person completes a passage that is written. It may be that a young person draws a comic strip, still answering the same question, but a different mode or method to complete that. It may be that they uh, complete a slideshow presentation. Um, it may be, and some of our young people have fantastic oral skills, that they tell us about it. Um, and all young people with SEND have the right to have access arrangements in, if they need it. So that means when they're taking their exams, for example, they might, and we've got our GCSE exams like you know everybody else taking place at the moment, they might have different levels of support. And that means that takes some of that pressure um, away from them. So that means that we have some students that have readers in their exams for them. Um, we've got some students that have scribes. So, you know, we had one young person last year that had a scribe that got 10 GCSEs. Okay, didn't matter. 
didn't matter that he, he found that his writing was difficult and that was hindering him. Actually, by having that scribe, he went on to achieve 10 GCSEs, which is fantastic. He's now gone on to his next placement college. He's got an apprenticeship and a job. It's amazing. Just because he finds writing difficult, that shouldn't hinder him for the future, should it? Um, we have um, young people that have extra time, so it gives them that thinking time and allows them that processing time. And then we've got um, a number of young people that have supervised rest breaks. So if, you, if you've got an exam that's, you know, two and a half hours, the fact that if you have that need for movement, then actually that's planned in for you. And that's a, a really um, successful way um, of supporting um, that young person. And then we have young people that use a word processor, you know, a laptop to complete their work. But those are, we need to be thinking and looking at what are the options that that young person needs to support them to achieving the very best results. So, um, if I just look at generalisation of um, skills. So, um, for a young pe person on the autism spectrum, they'll have some difficulty in transferring skills from different environments or, or transferring no uh, knowledge. So we had a young person just um, going back to um, Tony's presentation. South and Neve, our uh, clinical lead for speech and language, looked at each other because we had a visit the other day um, and a young person, and he said, my mum, you know, she's like a helicopter mum. She's in there, she's trying to manage me and I know how to keep myself safe. So Neve said, oh, tell us, you know, what would you do? You're going out, you know, how would you uh, keep yourself safe if you were going to the park by yourself? Well, I know how to fight off a wild bear, he said. <laughs> We're like, right, okay, okay. And what else was it, Neve? Wild bear? Volcano. Volcano. Wolf and earthquake. Wolf and earthquake. And that's how he knew, didn't want his mum's support. I don't want my support from my mum because I've got all those in the bag. Okay, um, but so thinking about that, our young people move a task to a different setting or change the context. You're in effect for some of our young people changing that task, aren't you? you it's a completely different task. I can do it at this point in this time. You move the goalpost. I can't do it anymore. I don't know what you mean. I've never done that before. Um, so we explicitly teach generalisation of learning. So we look at repeating skills and putting them into different contexts. And here at Pontville, we do that through student-led activities so that the students can plan and prepare and organise things and that they're able to participate more actively um, in discussions. And we try to, where possible, explore topics that are of interest to them so we can hook them in, really. So we had, very recently, an enterprise project that was led by our PSHE lead, um, and it was around um, 
uh, a mini enterprise looking at financial capability. So the students had to work as a group, um, outline the project and the success criteria. Um, they had to decide whether they were making a profit, whether they wanted to sell out, or it was about the number of customers that they had. They then had to think about what roles they would need to do this project. And it was a real life project, so they actually did it. So there was a project manager, um, a marketing person, a finance manager, and an events manager. And then they either had to say or write down two of the job preferences why they thought in their group they should be chosen. Now, that was a bit of a challenge because then they had to vote who they uh, thought was the best. So it was a bit Dragon's Den, you know. And, you know, if you're, if you're really confident, I, I want to be, you know, the marketing manager and everybody else has voted for somebody else, that's quite difficult. But for our young people and de developing their social communication skills, we try to look at learning at every opportunity. So, all of the groups came up with different um, enterprise activities. One was a cake sale. We do a lot of cakes. At, uh, um, uh, there was a bingo morning. Um, there was the Great Pontville Bake Off. You can see a theme going on there. Uh, there was a car wash. There was Silly Slime and a putty store. An auction where young people were um, auctioning themselves to go on and do jobs for members of staff. And there was also an origami store. The event was a huge success. So the rest of the school got involved in that, um, you know, and it had been a great learning process for the students. But what was fabulous was seeing their communication and generalisation of learning skills that they'd done in the classroom in a different setting. And actually, um, the ADHD Foundation have got a, a dragon boat race, um, which is taking place on um, Father's Day, only because my husband keeps telling me, yes, it's on Father's Day, uh, 17th, I think. And the students have raised money for that through this enterprise project. And so they've raised £230 that day. So all that planning, all that organisation, all that resourcing, then the delivery, then the positive outcome is the thinking about others, um, thinking about, you know, how we can um, help others um, and, you know, uh, generate some money. So £230 will be going to the ADHD Foundation um, for that Dragon Boat race. But there was real learning within that, which is fabulous. So, car washing here. Um, we'd also had, I always got to mention the football, and I'll, I'll mention it a bit later, they're just doing a, a, a banner there, and then the bingo morning there. So it was a really lovely uh, generalisation project where all of the students um, got involved. Having a team around the child is something that um, is uh, the focus of what we do here at Pontville. Um, is making the child or the young person the focus of all planning, all the planning that we do. 
So we like to, where possible, work as collaboratively as we can with families, with our education staff, with our care team, with our clinical team, to ensure that there's person-centred planning there. That enables us to share best practice. It enables us to think about ideas and resources and also enables us to have consistency of approach. So at home, you will have strategies with your young person that work and you know they work and that helps to minimise anxieties and it helps to have uh, a better outcome for them. And equally at school, we'll try things and actually, yeah, that works. And so if we can share that between home and school, actually we develop that consistency um, of approach. And that multidisciplinary approach allows for creativity, thinking outside of the box, looking at something different in order to think about personalisation and success. The support absolutely does need to be personalised. It does need, be, need to be created and agreed with that young person. You involve the young person as much as you can. You've got, you've got them then. They will tell you what works for them. They will tell you what's not working and they'll tell you what like. Um, what they like and then we can work with that it does support needs to be well planned effective and it also needs to be implemented so that we can then um, monitor it um, we would um, want to say that all through everything that we are doing we are trying to develop independence for our young people um, and that, when we're developing that, helps to increase their confidence, which is key, and also help their um, self-esteem. It gives them the ability to be able to make decisions, um, which is crucial, and also to blossom as an individual, because we want our children to thrive, don't we? We want them to be, you know, the, the best version of themselves. One of the things that I think is key, that it's not an age. So we talk about developmental stage and not age stage because our children and young people achieve things at different rates and at different times. And that doesn't mean that they can't achieve those things if they don't reach them by 10, because everyone should have reached it by 10. It's about thinking about that developmental stage and not age. Um, and again, you know, some young people, the, the young man that came to visit who wanted, was desperate for that independence. I want to go to the park by myself. I know how I'm going to keep myself safe. But you know why? As a mum, you're saying, actually, I'm coming to support you because there's a number of bits of safety and danger that you've not thought about in terms of going there. Um, and then by taking things at a young person's pace and looking at that incrementally, it, it enables our children and young people to learn to manage risk and challenge much better. So, how can we help at school at home? Be positive. Um, uh, and I think that's key, really. Be positive about encouraging independence. It is scary. It is scary, isn't it, to give that letting go? Um, 
but it's okay. Starting small, in terms of successes, a small success is a success. Um, and active support, so by encouraging independence doesn't mean that we're suddenly having a hands-off approach and we're not supporting. We need to be actively supporting and modelling, but then enabling that young person to take on those parts of independence at the rate that they're able to. And making that realistic assessment of risk and remembering that we learn. We learn from accidents and we learn from mistakes. And some of our children and young people find that increasingly difficult. They don't like to get things wrong. And so what happens is they can have their anxiety increases and then what it becomes an avoidance. And that's not just because they don't want to do something. It's actually, I don't want to do that wrong. Okay. So we need to work with them to say it's actually okay to get things wrong. That's how we learn. We learn as adults, we learn as uh, children, and we learn as young people there. Um, we want to make sure that we are trying to create and encourage opportunities for skills learned at home and at school to be built on in a variety of different situations. So it may be that um, as, a, as a professional, you know, you have a parent that will tell you that they're able, their, their son or daughter is able to plan and prepare and cook a meal independently, but actually at school in a food technology lesson, they're, they're not engaging. So we need to be thinking about how we can do both of those, looking at those transferable skills um, between home and school and equally between school and home. Lots of praise, and we know that, don't we? That praise gives us those positive endorphins and makes us feel good, and, uh, and praise can be really positive and reinforcing um, goes a long way. Using rewards is great, absolutely, but making sure that it doesn't become a, a crutch and become the thing that, right, well, I'm not doing that because I haven't got a reward for it, you know? So it's getting the balance between that. Um, and patience. Gosh, if we could bottle that, couldn't we? So at, at school, I would hope, Ben, you would find that I am a patient person. I am. My patience is overfloweth at home. It is not. <laughs> Get your shoes on. Have you brushed your teeth? Yes. Let me smell your breath. Go and brush your teeth. <laughs> We're all there, aren't we? We're all there. But if we can try and breathe it through, if we can try and keep our heart rate going like this and not have that spiky profile, it, uh, it, it would be a, a far better situation. So student interests. And since coming to uh, Pompville, I have learned lots about different things. Different things, special interests on random things. <laughs> random, they are random. And what is great is that sometimes some of the students, so they can uh, ring, book up, um, come and see me, uh, they'll book in, can I come and have a chat, can I come and walk the dog, um, and, and so forth. And actually what they want to do is to talk to me. But what they'll do, so sometimes we're walking about, I thought this is Matty, um, and uh, we're walking and they're talking to me about their special interest. And then they will ask me a question. 
they are just checking whether I am listening carefully. <laughs> they are just checking. So I have really honed in on my active listening because there's nothing worse, is there, where you think, oh, I don't know. yes, I wasn't listening, I wasn't listening. So I've really uh, gained a plethora of knowledge about uh, fascinating things over this past two and a half years. But for some of our young people, that's their future career aspiration. That's what they want to be. That's what they're setting their sights on. And why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they? Hey? Um, um, it, it could be a hobby for them. Um, it could be a way to meet people. So our young people find sometimes making friends and maintaining friends difficult, those two things. Um, and we've set up um, this last term, what I call a speed friendship. It's like a, a dating site, but for friends. And it was about, so staff and students could put on, if they wanted to meet a friend, and what their special interest was. And then we matched it with another young person who'd got the same interests. And it was lovely, giving students the opportunity to talk to someone who's got a similar interest. And in the morning, we have young people who were in different classes. So they all come on the yard in the morning, they're greeted by the staff team, and actually they will make a beeline for their person who's, who, who's got that same interest. And then they can walk around and have that beautiful conversation um, about um, whatever that is. Um, so, some people can say that actually, oh, special interest, you need to move young people on, you need to move away from that. Actually, I don't agree with that. Um, and I was watching some um, vlogs and blogs, actually, from young people with autism. Um, and what um, a young girl was saying is, when the world around you does not make sense to you, you need to be able to hold on to something that does. Okay? And by having your specialised interest, she called it, it might just give you a way to release, okay? A way to escape, or something that is just enjoyable and that you can do or you can think about or read or watch that just helps. And we all do that, don't we? We have our go-to. We, we as adults have got that thing that we go to, that we go and do, when it's all just getting a little bit too much and you think, I just need to go and do something, okay? So, um, uh, it just helped me when I was looking at those vlogs um, to, yes, yeah, say, absolutely, that is fine. You know, it's fine to have that special interest. And we use that to hook in our young people. So I, so I have Matty, Matty the dog, um, who is actually called Matty B, who's named after a rapper. I like to call him Matthew, um, which is far more suitable for me. But my son called him Matty B. And he comes into school and students um, can walk him. They can earn Matty tokens. They can just come and have a chat. They can have a stroke. Um, they can, you know, try and do tricks, although he's rubbish at that. He's a whippet, and so it's just, like, sleepy. Um, and... Um, 
But we've had a couple of admissions visits recently where the young people are finding school environment really anxious, really, really difficult. And I've looked at the paperwork and I've seen that actually that young person's got a dog and they like animals. So we've had two on the same week, haven't we, Neve? Two admissions visits where as part of the process, they um, so I'll speak with families and then the young person will go meet with Neve. And, and that two young people, they crumbled. No, no, I can't, I can't. And they held on to their parents. And this one little girl's face, it broke, didn't it? When the thought that she was going to have to leave her mum. And then I just threw in, oh, I've got a dog in my office. And off she went, yeah, <laughs> off she went, like that. It, and it was amazing because she, that was her interest. And it didn't work for everyone. I checked the paperwork. If your child doesn't like a dog, I don't then put them in the office because that would go all pear-shaped. But in terms of our next case study, I've named it Football Rogue Five Making and Fixing Fans because that's how diverse uh, the day can be, really. Um... When I started at Pompville, the young people were keen to get a football team. We have a number of young people that love football. They absolutely love football. So we've set up a football um, team. In fact, we've got two. We've got a key stage three um, and a key stage four team. Um, and actually, this has been a fantastic way of linking in with student interests in motivating them, in engaging them, in building self-confidence, in giving them a sense of pride. Um, it's phenomenal, really. They are a fabulous um, group of young people. So they have enrichment on a Friday and they'll practice and our staff are very passionate about that. Um, and, and so they are coaching them. We're quite competitive as a school. We like to win, um, and, but in a positive way. So for one of our young people, he, he said to me last year, Friday football is the thing that keeps me going through the week because actually he's not really interested in the other bits, but he does the other bits because he's getting to Friday. And Friday is the really fabulous thing for him and for, for a number of our students. And in terms of that cardiovascular exercise is a really good, you know, way of our young people getting physical. Our youngsters go and play a number of different teams. They always conduct themselves with the very best behaviour. They'll come back and tell me, oh, miss, they were rough, they were. And yeah, oh, you, miss, they were awful. But this picture here, so um, this is our young people coming back this term and they won the league. It couldn't have been any more amazing for them. It was like Liverpool and whoever they played and the other ones weren't all over again. Um, <laughs> But it was amazing. And those young people, they come and they are delighted. They couldn't not be any more pleased that they would. And it's a real motivator for them. We then had um, uh, uh, an increase in uh, young people who were interested in um, performing arts and music. 
And linked with that, we had a teacher um, that also plays the guitar and, and sings. He doesn't do this like a country and western. He's, <laughs> he's more oasis. But, um, but um, so linking those together, through our enrichment program, they started to practice. So the students started to get together and just have a, a performing arts session where they um, were uh, jamming, as it were. But actually, the talents of the young people in here, so we've got one of the mums in here of one of the boys, yes, and we've got one of the students over there who's in there. He's going to do a rendition. No, you're not. No, joking. Um, I wouldn't do um, but actually, they set up a band, and they set up a band, and then they came to me and said, actually, can we play? So we went from, you used to be at the back of the room, didn't you? Went from just having a bit of a jam at the back of the room to fully-fledged band, to practising, to then performing in front of the whole school. Now, we've got 100 staff, 93 young people. So you can imagine our termly assemblies are busy. It's a busy, but this band performing just was wonderful. Everyone was amazed, linking in again to their special interests. Then the next stage, they've done an evening performance. So for families, so it's just opening out their world for them. One of the young people there at the front, Aaron, um, he's gone on to do BTEC music here for us. That's what he wants to do. That's his goal for the future, and he will do it. And it's by linking into their special interests, um, you know, can really motivate our young people for their learning. So we've got a young person here who came to us and could tell me about every tool there was, every tool going and every type of fan, and he loves that. He absolutely loves it. So we went on the tour of the school and we had to go and look at all the old fans and the extractor fans that there were around the school. So what we've done to link in with that, that's Neil there, and Neil's part of our maintenance team. And so he's met with Neil as part of our maintenance team. It's about flexibility and it's about thinking outside of the box. And Neil has pat tested his fans for him. You know, it was the best day ever. The best day ever that his fans were pat-tested. And amazing, really. And he loves forest school. So, range of tools. He said, I've, uh, I've got a uh, chainsaw in the round ass, miss. I said, have you, James? Have you? And actually, he's crafted a wooden chainsaw. And it's beautiful. It's fabulous, you know. But that's hooking him in into his special interest. Um, and then also, so he's a fan of Matty. Loves Matty. And that is a dead ringer for Matty. That's what Matty looks like. And so what he's done is he's painted a picture. said, I've got a surprise for you. Painted a picture of Matty, and it's uh, it's grey, 326, and it's a, an exact match on, on Matty's coat. Uh, he said, you can't have it now, though, because I'm, I'm making a frame up in Forest School for it. It's amazing, isn't it? It's lovely. It's just lovely. That's why I love it here. <laughs> and student voice. So, student voice is key. And I think we've still got work to do, you know? to make sure that we are listening to our children and young people. 
um, about giving them choices, about linking into their interests, about their passions and ambitions. Um, and our, uh, our young people here have a variety of different forums that they can contribute to to make better outcomes not only for themselves but for their peers and for future children and young people that come to us. So we have a very active school council which Paul um, leads on and um, it, you know they're good aren't they? They give lots you know. Um, to those meetings. Our school development plan, so they are part of the contributing, what works well at the school, what's great, what do you love, even better ifs, what's not so good, what would you want differently, what should we be doing this next year? And it's making their voice heard. Um, student surveys, and then we've got a house group system which we're continuing to develop. Um, where the staff and the pupils are in different houses and they work together and can earn house points um, for that. So the next um, case study is um, the newsletter team. Um, and I'm going to introduce Ben now, who's just going to talk far more eloquently than I am about the newsletter team. I'm Ben. Um... I'm a Pomphil here at um, I'm a student here at Pomphil. Um, I joined the school just under three years ago, and when I first joined the school, I was really, really struggling um, at getting into lessons and doing work and everything else. And this one night, I was sat there on my iPad, um, looking at the school website. I was actually looking at term dates for see to see when the next holiday was. <laughs> and um, so I was looking at it, and I clicked on this news section. And when I went on the news section, there was nothing there. There was a few little reports, there was an Ofsted report, this report, and I thought to myself, why isn't there anything there? Why isn't there any news? Why isn't there any pupils? Why isn't there people on that section? There should be people on that section. So I came in the next day, and I went and saw Miss Sims. I asked her whether I could do something on that section, and she said, let me get back to you. She sent an email. And within that day, she came back to me, and she said, yeah, let's do something. So within that week, we released our first blog, which was about the football team and the first um, match we'd won and from there we had a new pupil um, come and join me, Owen and um, then we started doing more and more blogs and then we had Woody, which Woody loves pizza it's his favourite thing also while we're sat there trying to type up the newsletters all he's going is pepperoni, I like tuna pizza, I like this pizza and uh, we're sat there going, we like meat feast, and then he goes, well, I'm vegetarian, I can't eat meat feast. And he's still talking <laughs> about the rest of it. So <laughs> then we're, so as we're um, making the blogs, we're getting emails every single week, um, and we were getting that many blogs that we decided that we needed another way of getting the news out. So we made a newsletter, and newsletters go out termly, and we all sit there once um, a term and make the newsletter and put all the stories that we haven't put in the blog in the newsletter. Um, and then last year, um, we went out to Pizza Hut for like a work stew. <laughs> and, um, we, we all sat there and ate loads. And um, that was a treat for doing the newsletter. And that was how the newsletter came about. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Beth. Thank you. Well 
So just while Ben's setting that up, so the newsletter team was um, interviewed for um, SEN School of the Year. I nominated Pompville School for this award because Pompville is an amazing place. The fabulous work between our education staff, our clinical team and our care team means that our students flourish and thrive here at Pompville. I think what makes us an outstanding SEN school is the team. We have four speech therapists who are on site and it's really hard to separate out the speech therapy from the running of the school because it's so embedded and that's thanks to our strong leadership and also the, the work that the teachers and support assistants put in as well. Speech language and communication is, is very established at this school and it has been for many years. I love um, the teamwork and the, the, that we have here really and the children are at the centre of what we do. As a SENCO have done things like looking at how to set up our classrooms so low stimulus to support our pupils in their learning or how we can incorporate some, some new theories and that into what we already do. All pupils have an individualised pathway and we all work together to develop the students and help them meet their aspirations. I used to be quite anxious, I used to think of school as a bad place. I enjoy doing school now, which I never thought I'd be able to do. And uh, Pompville's really shown me a different perspective on school. And we're the newsletter and blog team. It just makes you feel like you're part of the school community, so you can spread news around school so people can get to know what's going on. The staff are very easy to trust, and if you need anyone to talk to, they're always there, no matter what it is you need to talk about. Everyone likes to help out to help you and everyone wants to make sure you get somewhere in life and wants to make sure you can get there. We had a young person who was struggling in mainstream, they came to stay with us. They had difficult behaviours at home and they've managed to go on from us and transition to an apprenticeship and have managed to get a part-time job at the same time. The progress that our young people make is phenomenal. They grow in confidence, they become young articulate, members of their community and they go on to achieve great things. I've already shared with our staff team and our pupils and our families that we've been shortlisted and they are delighted and they are really excited. They believe we should win, I believe we should win, but what it would mean to us would mean everything. We... And we did win, we did win. And <laughs> <laughs> you get that so it goes back on. Is that all right? So yeah, we went on to win SEN School of the Year uh, for Speech, Language and Communication, which was fabulous. Now, our Didn't Letter team were integral in that um, interview, and um, I'm going to share the hilarious bit. So they practiced the click, 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 okay, of which I, I do feel part of the newsletter team, but they wouldn't let me be in that bit. So it's just the three of them. Um, but then when they went downstairs to get filmed, they sat in a different place. Uh, where they were upstairs and they kept getting the clicks the wrong way and it was uh, we were laughing it was uh, hilarious but the newsletter team their voice sharing the news supporting because our young people come from 25 different local authorities okay 
that sharing that news on our website, on social media, helps our young people to feel part of the community, helps them to celebrate success because the, the blogs are varied. So you can go and see Ben later on um, at, at lunchtime um, and have a look at some of the blogs. So whether it's we've won the football or somebody's got Angler of the Year or somebody's got 10 GCSE results or they've done 55K runs, um, you know, it's diverse um, and it's about celebrating that. Oh, she said. Um, so... And it is, and I feel that we're good here at doing that, but if we can get that out in terms of celebrating successes for our young people, it helps raise self-esteem. It helps raise their confidence. And it acknowledges the many challenges our young people often have to overcome on a daily basis just getting into school on a daily basis. And it fosters that I can do growth mindset. I can do this. Um, top tips for rewarding success, making the praise meaningful. So if I'd say to one of our students, oh, well done, that was great. And they know it's not great, they will tell me. They will say, that was rubbish, miss. You know, it's got to be meaningful, the praise. Having a really good understanding of how a young person wants to be praised. So Ben joked, we were deciding whether Ben was going to sit here or walk up uh, the middle. Uh, so we were just planning <coughs> how we were going to do the presentation. And, and you said, oh, I thought I was coming through, um, what were they called? Confetti cannons, he said. I said, do you want to come in the middle? He said, no, I'll sit over there. <laughs> but yeah, for some of our young people, they want confetti cannons. Some young people just want a little thumbs up, little smile, tiny nod. And it's about doing it um, for them. And success, uh, celebrating success, no matter how small um, or varied. So there's just a couple of quotes that are put in, in there. Um, I, I like this one. I might hit developmental and societal milestones in a different order than my peers, but I'm able to accomplish these small victories in my own time. And that stage, not age process. Um, every student can learn, just not on the same day or in the same way. And I think that's key, really, isn't it? In personalisation and student-centred um, learning. Um, and every day is a learning day. So learning doesn't just happen at school. Learning happens at home, in the community. Everything that we do, we can tailor and make a learning um, event for our young person. So dreams and hopes, just to kind of summarise, and aspirations for the future. We must be ambitious for our young people. We want, don't we, our young people to lead a fuller independent life with the ability to have a job, maintain a relationship and pursue the life that they want for themselves. Um, building on their strength, learning with confidence and enthusiasm. Um, anything is possible. And in the words of the famous band S Club 7, if you can remember, got to reach for the stars. Okay, thank you. It's